0: In the 1970s, we were in the middle of what was known as the Cold War with a nation called Russia. Tensions were high because people were sitting on red buttons that were going to begin a nuclear war that would be the war to end all wars. In response to those threats and that tension, the United States government invested billions and billions of dollars in a global positioning system to allow us to better navigate our submarines. You see, the ability to have precise navigation would have enabled our U.S. submarines to accurately fix their positions prior to launching ballistic missiles should that nuclear war ever begin. In 1983, President Ronald Reagan announced that that global positioning system that had been created for our military would be made available for civilian use. And now, because of the billions of dollars invested in that global positioning system, you can take out your iPhone. And you can punch in, take me to the closest Chili's restaurant. And that global positioning system will walk you step by step through your iPhone and get you right where you need to be. I don't know about you, but I think it's the best $12 billion our U.S. government has ever spent, right? I'm so thankful for GPS. That's where it came from. This week, Pastor Travis and I were traveling down to Orlando, Florida to be in some board meetings with a church planting organization that we as a church work with that right now is enabling us to literally plant churches all across the United States. Six of them are being planted right now in the western United States. and I'm on the board with this organization, so it's called Launch. We flew down there to be a part of some board meetings, and while we were there in in, in Orlando, we rented a car. And Like you do, when you get in one of these towns, you're not really from there. You rely heavily on the GPS, right? So we're navigating using the GPS, and we went to eat at this one particular restaurant on Thursday, and after having eaten there, it was so good, we decided on Friday we'd go back there. Now, we'd already been there once, so we were men. We knew how to get back there. We didn't need any help, so we get in the car, and we make our plan to go back where we're headed, and we've been driving five minutes, ten minutes, and we started saying, you know, I don't remember passing any of this when we were going to this restaurant the first time. And so we clicked on that wonderful little... We had one of those that was in the rental cars, that Hertz Never Lost system with that wonderful voice that comes across that, that, out of that beautiful little box there in the car. And we punched in that, that address for that uh, restaurant that we were trying to get to. And she said, recalculating routes. And then she said, as soon as possible... Make a legal U-turn, right? (laughs) Because we were headed in the wrong direction. And we needed, when we saw the map that she pulled up, we were absolutely going in the wrong direction. And it didn't matter how bad we wanted to get to that restaurant. It didn't matter how sincere we were about getting there. Here's what we discovered. If you start out going the wrong direction, you are not going to get where you want to be, right? Hey, the same thing is true spiritually following Jesus, Christianity. If you start out in the wrong direction, you will never arrive where you desire to be. Last weekend, as a family of faith, we began a seven-week journey. A seven-week journey trying to answer the question, What does it look like to faithfully follow Jesus? We wanted to evaluate over these seven weeks, am I aiming at the right target? Am I headed in the right direction? Am I going the right way on my spiritual journey? And to do that, we gave you last weekend a a foundational statement. As you came in tonight, you should have been given one of these. It's a listening guide. Every weekend in this series, we're going to give you one of these listening guides, and it's designed for you to be able to follow along with us, fill in some blanks, keep up with us as we read some scripture. So grab your listening guide as we take off, and right at the top, we give you that statement. And we simply said it this way, the life of a Jesus follower is all about what? Who remembers? Relationships, right? Let's read that together off the screen. The life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. So I don't want you to do it one more time, and I want you to read it with passion this time. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. The life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships. That simple statement really defines our target. That statement sets our course. It sets our direction. And everything we're unpacking over these seven weekends is really built on that foundational statement that we believe is the biblical principle for what it is to follow Jesus. Now, you say, what do you mean the life of a Jesus follower is all about relationships? Well, last weekend, we began to unpack three relationships. Following Jesus is really about three relationships. Now, one of them is the foundation. Everything else is built on this first one, and that's what we're going to be talking about this weekend and next weekend. The first relationship, I gave you a key word to define it, and it was the word abide. And it's a relationship with God. First and foremost, following Jesus is about an intimate love relationship with God. It's not about religion. It's not about church. It's not about do's and don'ts, rights and wrongs. Following Jesus is about a love relationship with God. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. The second relationship, I gave you a key word, and it was the word connect. Connect. Following Jesus is about a relationship with one another. Because I have a relationship with God, I now have a relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And God made me to live out my relationship with Him in fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We're going to take two weekends and we're going to unpack what this relationship looks like fleshed out in our lives. The third relationship we gave you a key word and it was the word share following Jesus is about a relationship with the world you see we have a mission and our responsibility as followers of Christ is to share in the mission of God to take the gospel the message of Jesus Christ to people that do not know him both locally And globally. So following Jesus is all about relationships. First and foremost with God. I'm to abide in Christ daily. Secondly, it's to connect with one another. And third, it's to share in the mission of taking the message of the gospel to people that do not know Him. So these three relationships with God, with one another, and with the world. And everything else revolves around that first relationship with God. And if you miss that one, you miss everything. So we're going to take this weekend and next and really define and talk about what it is as a follower of Christ to live out this relationship with God. Now, where in the Bible should we go to make sure we are starting out in the right direction? Well, the most obvious and logical place is to go to the place in the Bible where Jesus called His very first disciples. Take your Bible, if you have it, open it to Mark chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 13 and 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, we're going to put these verses on the screen. And also at the very bottom of your listening guide, these verses are located there. And if you'll notice, we've highlighted them as the memory verse of the week. Now, we're throwing you a curveball this week. It's two verses. Mmm, Teddy, I don't know if they'll be standing up next weekend in line ready to quote that one, right? It's a little bit longer, but I want you to meditate on these verses and be chewing on them this week. Here's what the Bible says. And he went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve so that they would be with him. And that He could send them out to preach. Three realities I want you to see out of these verses about defining this starting point. Being a Jesus follower begins with an invitation. Being a Jesus follower begins with an invitation. Jesus invited these men to follow Did you hear it there in the text? It says he went up on a mountain and he summoned those whom he himself wanted. He invited them to follow him. That word summoned there in the the text is a very important word. One of the first things that I do when I'm studying a text of Scripture to come in and preach it to you in a weekend is I do what's called a word study. I'll take these words that we have in English and go back and study them in their original language because in the Greek language, the verbs in particular are loaded with meaning and significance. Oftentimes in the Greek language, they would pile a whole sentence into one verb. One verb in a Greek text can be an entire sentence in the English language as we unpack it. Well, here in this text of Scripture, Jesus uses this verb that we get the word "summon" from, and it's a loaded word. It's a word that literally means to call to oneself. And the way that Jesus uses it is in the middle voice. And it literally means he's inviting them simply to himself. Every aspect of this word stresses that the invitation is to a person. That is very important. Jesus did not invite us to a system. Jesus did not invite us to participate in a religion. Jesus did not invite us to a list of do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. Jesus did not invite these men simply to a life of moral activity. Jesus did not even invite them to a destination. He was not just inviting them to go to heaven when they died. The invitation that Jesus extended to them was an invitation to a personal relationship with God through Him, the person of Jesus Christ in this life and in eternity. Now, don't misunderstand me. Going to heaven when we die is a great part of the package, amen? But what makes heaven heaven is the fact that I have an intimate love relationship with God and heaven is simply taking the relationship to a whole nother level. Where now I enjoy that relationship by faith, one day I will enjoy that relationship By sight. Our brother Art who went home to be with the Lord on Friday morning. Friday morning when Art went home to be with the Lord. He went from a relationship by faith to a relationship by sight. He is now in the presence of the Lord. And because he had a relationship with God here. Now that relationship has been taken to a whole new level. It's important that we understand he invited them to himself. To follow him. But secondly, Jesus invited them to follow Him because He loved them. Did you hear what the verse said? He went up on a mountain and He summoned those whom He Himself wanted. Again, the word wanted here is one of those verbs that's a Very important verb. It's a word that that literally means to desire or to purpose. Here's what the Bible says. God invited these men to Himself because He wanted a relationship with them. He summoned, he called to himself those whom he wanted. Get this. Here were these men that had grown up in Jewish families. They'd always heard the promise that one day a Messiah would come. Since they were little boys, they'd heard the the promises of the prophets. They'd heard the stories of the Old Testament. All of them pointing to the coming of a Messiah. And now they meet Jesus and they begin to understand that Jesus is literally God in the flesh. He is that Messiah who has come. And then that Messiah looks right at them and he says, I'm calling you, I'm God, and I'm calling you and inviting you to me because... I love you. Can you imagine the excitement that must have filled their heart? What if you go home today and when you get home your telephone rings and you pick it up and on the other end of the line is somebody that you greatly respect. Maybe it's a, a, a sports hero. Maybe it's, it's, a, it's a, a leader, a world leader. I don't know what it may be for you, but somebody that, that you look up to, somebody that you think a lot of, somebody that you have great respect for, somebody that you'd love to sit down and have a conversation with. You get home and you pick up the phone and it's that person on the other end of the line and they say, hey, I'd really like to get to know you. I'd like for you to get to know me because I really want a relationship with you. Here's God that created the universe. God that spoke everything you can see, taste, test, feel, or smell into existence. God God made it all. And this God approaches these men and says, I am calling. I'm inviting you. Not to a Just a lifestyle, not to just a religion, not to just a system. I'm calling you to me. And here's why: because I really love you. You say, well, that's great for them. What about me? I mean what you just read was him speaking to those original disciples. Well where do I fit into this? Let me show you a verse on the screen. First Timothy chapter two, verses three and four. Listen what it says. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires. I've underlined that word for a reason. When you look at that word desire there, it's the exact same word in the Greek language that is used in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 that's translated wanted. That he wanted, he summoned those who he wanted. Here the Bible says it's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires, who wants. What what does it say? Who desires all men to be saved. That, that little phrase, all men, means every single person. The desire of God, the heart of God, is God saying to you, I want a relationship with you. I'm inviting you to me because I love you. I want you to hear this. God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with Him. God loves you. Now, there's a problem. The problem is our sin. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. Listen what it says. But your iniquities, that's one of four Hebrew words to describe sin. It's a word that means conscious, deliberate wrongdoing. The Bible says your iniquities have made a separation... Between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. The bottom line is that God created you, God's purpose for you and me. The only way we'll ever really know life is in the context of a love relationship with him. It's what God desires for us, but because of our sin, our deliberate and willful wrongdoing against God, our sin separates us from a relationship with God but there's a solution for that back over in first Timothy where we read from just a moment ago listen to what the Bible says there's one God and one mediator also between God and men the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all the testimony given at the proper time you know what a mediator is right A mediator is somebody who comes in between two people that are at odds, two people that are separated, and a mediator brings reconciliation. A mediator brings them back together. Here's what the Bible says. God created you and me, and more than we even want it, God wants a personal relationship with us. But our sin separates us. From a relationship with God. But God did for us what we could not do left to ourselves. He gave His Son, Jesus, on the cross. And Jesus was our mediator. Jesus took all of our sin on Himself and on the cross. Jesus died. Then He rose again from the dead. And now by faith in Him, we can be forgiven of our sin and be reconciled. Be given by grace that which we lost A personal relationship with God. Being a Jesus follower begins with an invitation. And Jesus invited them to follow Him because He loved them. But here's the the third aspect of that statement. His invitation had to be accepted. You see, they had to respond to that call. Let me show it to you back in Mark 3, our text where we started. And he went up on a mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted and they came to him. The implication of the text is that Jesus invited them to himself and then began to walk away. It was up to them To surrender, to follow, to embrace His invitation to them. You see, being a Jesus follower begins when I respond to God's gracious invitation to know Him by turning from my sin and putting my faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. And listen to me. If you start out the wrong way, you will not end up where you want to be. There are a lot of people who think following Jesus is about do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. And Well, are you a Christian? Well, I'm trying. Well, do you know the Lord? Well, I'm working at it. Do you have a relationship with God? Well, Well, I'm in church. Let me show you how serious this is. I want you to look at another verse on the screen. Matthew chapter 7 verse 22. The Bible says, Many will say to me on that (laughs) that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Did you hear what he's saying there? This is Jesus on the last day when when the world as we know it's come to an end. He says, Many are going to stand before me and they're going to say, Lord... Didn't we do all the right stuff? And is there anything more spiritual than the three things they mentioned? Performing miracles, casting out demons, prophesying. I think some are going to say, Lord, didn't, didn't I go to church every week? Lord, didn't I read my Bible every day? Lord, didn't I try to be a good husband or father or wife or mother? God, didn't I try to be an honorable employee? Lord, didn't I try to be an honest neighbor? God, and all these things I didn't do, Lord... And then look what the verse says. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Do you know him? You see the word know here in this verse? is the same word we looked at last week in John 17, 3, when Jesus said, This is eternal life, that they may know you. It's a word that implies personal fellowship. Are you going to heaven when you die? Well, I'm trying to be a good Christian. Well, I try to go to church. Well, I, I try to give. Do you know Him? Do you have a personal, intimate, love, relationship with God? If you miss that, you've missed it all. That's the foundation. Now before I (coughs) give you the next couple of points that are not near as long as that one, I I want you to do something for me. I want you to just close your eyes for just a minute. We're not done yet. Don't pack your stuff up. Just close your eyes for a minute. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to give an honest answer in your heart. Do you know God? I'm not asking if you're religious. I'm not asking if you've been baptized. I'm not asking if you go to church. Do you know God, have you ever turned from your sin, believed in the gospel, and accepted God's invitation by grace to a relationship with Himself? Maybe there's some of you for the very first time right now, you've realized, man, I got religion, but I got no relationship with God. I don't know Him. I don't have personal fellowship with God. I'm I'm trying hard to be a Christian, but I don't know God. Listen, right there where you're sitting, you can simply cry out to God and admit and acknowledge and confess that you're a sinner. And you can, by faith, believe in the gospel and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Look this way. Let me give you the second reality tonight. Being a Jesus follower not only begins with an invitation. Being a Jesus follower is all about intimacy. Being a Jesus follower is all about intimacy. I want to put those verses back up on the screen that we started with. (coughs) Mark chapter 3, and I want you to look at them. It says, and he went up on the mountain, and he summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. Now, that's what we've talked about so far. So far, we've just taken verse 13, and we've broken it apart. Talked about the invitation where God desires a relationship with us. We have to accept that invitation. We have to respond to him. But then look at verse 14. It says, and he appointed 12. I want you to look up there. And tell me what the next two words are. Say it out loud. So that. that. Now, this is very important. In the Greek language, there's a Greek word, hina, and it means for this purpose. Now, when you see it translated in the New Testament, it's typically with those two little words, so that. You could translate it this way, here's why. He invited them into a relationship with himself. And then verse 14 says, Here's why. Put those back up there. So that they would, what does it say? What are the next three words? Be with him. him. What's the purpose? Of the Christian life. A lot of people answer that question and they say, well, the purpose is to live for God. You may have heard somebody say this, and it sounds spiritual and it sounds good. God's done so much for me, now I want to do something for Him. I want to live for God. That's the goal. Or or some people say it this way. The goal is to obey God. Jesus didn't say, I've invited you to a relationship with me so that you could live for me. It's not what he said. The Bible did not say he invited them to himself so that you could obey him. It's not what it said. The text said he invited them to himself so that they could what? Say it out loud. Be with him. That is the purpose of the Christian life to be with him. Following Jesus is not about doing. Following Jesus is about being. Listen to me. The goal is the relationship. Say that out loud with me. The goal is the relationship. Say it again. The goal is the relationship. Listen, if you will wrap your heart around that, you will leave here a different person than when you came in. So many Christians live with a bondage and a sense of obligation and a frustration and a weight on their back thinking that now that I've got, the, now that I've got salvation, I've stepped over the line, now I'm a Christian, now it's up to me to live for God. The relationship is not the starting line that you step across and now you begin to live the Christian. No. The goal is the relationship. Everything about your life now revolves around that intimate love relationship with God. And everything that God is doing in your life, every circumstance, every situation, is cultivating that intimate fellowship with God. Everything is about the relationship. When I learned this, I'd been saved about 10 years when I came to this discovery. And there's only one word to describe what I begin to feel. Freedom. Freedom. I want to remind you of the verse we looked at last weekend. John 17, 3. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Out of that verse of Scripture, and based on what we've just learned in Mark chapter 3, I want to give you the simplest summary of the Christian life that maybe you've ever heard. In the Christian life, there are two goals. There are only two. There's an overall goal that's the big picture. You know what the overall goal is? To know Him. That's it. The overall goal is Jesus said, This is eternal life. Here's the big goal. To know Him. Now, if that's the big goal, then let me give you the daily goal. You ready? Here's the daily goal. Spend time with Him. That's it. That is Christianity. That is following Jesus. Big picture goal? To know Him. Daily goal? Spend time with Him. Now, let me ask you a question. What's the most difficult practice to maintain with consistency? in your Christian life (laughs) spending time with God on a daily basis why is that let me tell you why because the enemy does not care what you do as long as you don't be you see the enemy's great the enemy's great substitute for relationship is religion and he loves to get you focused on activity and on doing and on all instead of just being The enemy does not care if I'm serving, if I'm at church, if I'm doing all that stuff, or if I'm doing drugs out in the street. He doesn't care as long as I'm not being with Jesus. Anything that is a substitute for the real thing that I was made for, which is an intimate love relationship with God, is fine with the enemy. Being a Jesus follower is all about intimacy. The relationship is not just a starting point. It is the goal. Everything in my life is now lived out of that relationship. And that's the third truth I want to give you, and we're finished. Being a Jesus follower overflows in every area of my life. Being a Jesus follower overflows in every area of my life. Let me show you what I mean by that. Back in Mark chapter 3, if you've got your Bible still open, look at it. Or you can look at it on the, on the listening guide that you got when you came in. He went up on a mountain, summoned those whom He Himself wanted, and they came to Him. He invited them because He loved them, and they responded and followed. And He appointed them so that, here's why He called them, they would be with Him. They could live their lives out of the overflow of intimacy with God. And then look what it says, the last phrase, and... That he could send them out to what? Preach. You say, aha. Preacher, I knew we'd get to that doing stuff eventually. I know there's some stuff he wants me to do. I don't know. You misread it. I want to put those, if you can, put those verses back up on the screen. I I want to point this out. Put put Mark 3, 13 and 14. Look, Look where it says, and he appointed 12. So that, what's the next word? They, they were to what? Be, so that he, notice the they and the he, they were to be, he would send them out to preach. Now, the word preach there is an interesting word. It's not necessarily the word that that applies to what I'm doing up here. It can have that application. But the word preach here is a word that literally means to announce or to make public. Jesus desired a relationship with them. He invited them to know Him and they were to live their lives in intimate fellowship with God. They were to be. And then it says He would send them out and He would make His very life public through them, out of the overflow of their intimate fellowship with Him. You see it? He didn't save them so they could go do something. He brought them into relationship with Himself so that out of the overflow of that intimate fellowship, He could literally make His life public through them. Let me give you a summary statement. Everything Jesus desires to do through you, he will accomplish as the overflow of his relationship with you. Everything Jesus desires to do through you, and that's the way it works. It's not you doing something for him, he desires to do something through you. How does it happen? out of the overflow of His relationship with you. Let me close with, with, with my personal testimony. I was saved as a freshman in college. Sophomore in college, surrendered my life to preach, to become a minister or pastor. Began serving as a youth pastor at some churches and then pastored my first church and had been in ministry about nine years. And God brought me to a place of brokenness in my personal life. I was doing all the right stuff. I was in a church that was growing. We were in a town, a small town of 4,000 people. Our church some weekends would have over 800 people in our worship services. That's almost a fourth of the town was in our church. We were reaching people with the gospel. We were starting to work overseas. We were doing all the right stuff. And God brought me to a real place of brokenness in my life. And here's what He taught me. God's call on my life was not to ministry. God's call on my life is to intimacy. And ministry is what He desires to do out of the overflow of intimacy. God's call on your life is not spiritual activity. God's call on your life is not obedience. Obedience is what He desires to do out of the overflow of intimacy. Man, when God taught me this it rocked my world. Had a guy that was discipling me, and I'm going to share some of this next weekend. Had a guy that was discipling me named Clyde Cranford, and Clyde began to pour this stuff into my life. He taught me those two goals, the overall goals to know God, the daily goals to spend time with God. And I began to spend time with God daily, and one morning I was reading in a quiet time about 12 years ago in Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, and The Bible said Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also for I was sent for this purpose. Now some of you remember that verse because it was that very verse that God used to call my family to Las Vegas. And here we sit now in an almost 11-year-old church that was planted. And you got to hear me. Las Vegas wasn't on my GPS. I would have never moved here to start a church. God was at work in Las Vegas planting a church. And listen, God didn't need Vance Pittman to plant this church. God was at work here birthing this fellowship. But that morning in my quiet time, God invited me to get in on it. He didn't need me. You know what I've asked myself a bunch of times? Lord, what if I hadn't been with you that morning? God was going to do in Las Vegas what He was going to do with or without me. But what would I have missed out on? Here's what I want you to see. Here I am, 11 years later, standing in the middle of the church that God invited my family to be a part of planting. Let me tell you how it happened. Not by a big dream that we had of what we wanted to do for God. It happened out of the overflow of intimate fellowship with Him. God had something that He wanted to do. And invited me into it out of the overflow of the relationship with him. I don't know what the next year, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years holds for you. Here's what I do know. God has a plan. And let me just give you a testimony. It's better than your plan. And the way to get in on it is living every day and every moment of every day out of the overflow of an intimate love relationship with Him because being a Jesus follower is all about an intimate love relationship.